Praise the Lord and welcome. You are listening to I Have Podcast, episode number 23. With me, uh, your host, Reverend Mario Inajera. To our returning listeners and for all those listening in for the first time, thank you for joining me and my guest for today, Pastor Ty Martinez, pastor of Aruca Restoration Church in Yuma, Arizona. We are here to testify that no matter where your life's journey has taken you, that Jesus loves you, Jesus still saves, and Jesus is still doing works within his people. So listen, grow as we share what God has done in the life of my guest today, Pastor Ty Martinez. Praise the Lord, Pastor Ty. God bless you, and thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Amen. Praise the Lord, Brother Mario. What a pleasure to be here um, in this uh, podcast here with you. And uh, I believe God's got some great things in store for uh, anyone that listens, and even for you and for I, my brother. All right. In Jesus' name, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, brother, um, you know, I wanted to invite you on. And, and personally, we know each other. We go back then, uh, back when, when growing up in Sector 3 there. And you're still there in that area of District Amen. of Arizona. And um, and uh, obviously, we got to see each other a lot at, and growing up there. And and one of the things that um, one of the things I would get to see you, but I never really uh, got to know um, your experience uh, before you came to Christ. So that's one of the things I want to learn today with our listeners, and and that is what what would you how would you describe your life before your church experience or before your own personal relationship with Christ? What was that like for you? Well, um, to tell you the truth, you know, I was brought up in church. Um, actually, it was one of the I think I might have been the first baby presented in that church in Parker when it was built. So I was pretty much raised in church. Um, but I think what happens to a lot of us that are actually brought up or raised in church, we, we tend to find ourselves just, you know, going through the motions, going mm. through what you're used to doing, going to church and, you know, Sunday school and midweek service and the meetings and the fellowship. You know, we, we get used to it and, and it just becomes, you know, it's a lifestyle in a sense, but it's not really our lifestyle. It's really the lifestyle of our parents. Mm. So, um, you know, we just kind of go through the motions. And so. I would say I didn't really truly understand what it was like to really um, follow the Lord. Uh, I was just, you know, obeying my parents. Mm. I was honoring my parents and and sometimes uh, not wanting to go to church. But, you know, they would force me to go to church. And uh, I didn't understand. I didn't understand then. Mm. But I really understand now the purpose for them to do that was to make sure that I didn't stray from the mm. Lord. And um, God bless my parents for always uh, being there for me and, and making sure that I was at church. Yeah. No, I, I hear you, brother. Uh, I remember those occasions and those times where you're just pretending you're either asleep already or you're doing homework, you know, just something, anything, so you right. wouldn't have to go to those events or the uh, church or anything else like that. But, it, yeah, it, it's awesome to have that praying mom and, 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 in your case, your parents where, you know, you just have that that support and that backup. Like, let's go. You know, let's go. Everyone's going. But how was that, though, like, even though you had the support from your parents, what was your personal experience so when you finally figured out what it was that you needed to do and to give your life to Christ? Well, to tell you the truth, um, we were we were attending a, a, the Upside Church for a while, I mean, all my life. And um, we went through a period, though, where um, we had a pastor switch into Parker. And the problem that we had, well, really wasn't my parents. The problem that, that I faced was that I was always brought up around English. And at that time, they had a pastor that spoke nothing but Spanish. And so uh, my parents were concerned um, about me. They were concerned that if, if I was, because I was a junior at that time, mm. and I think my parents were concerned that if I lost contact with God at that point, that there'd be a chance that I wouldn't get back. Mm. So 
they made a decision to go to an, an English apostolic church, a UPC church, and um, that's where I started going to church. And what a blessing, brother, um, to be with brothers in Christ that believe in the Acts 2.38 um, message of being re uh, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, but I was there. And, and what I really um, found uh, uh, fascinating about the, the Pentecostal church was their desire for you to get the Holy Ghost. Mm. Um, so that pastor, um, his name was Pastor uh, Ronald McDuff. He was constantly pushing me, you know, encouraging me to get the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost. And, you know, I didn't even know if I really wanted it. You know, it's just, you know, get the Holy Ghost, get the Holy Ghost. And then, um, I got in contact with some young people that were fired up for the Lord. I said, you know what? I want what they have. I mm. want that joy that they have. And I started to get closer to God to the point where in the services, I could feel God touching me and I would just, I would, I would cry. It was very emotional. I could feel God and I could feel God that was trying to be in my life, but I was scared, brother. Um, I was scared. I would start to feel my, my lips tremble mm. and I would get scared, brother, and I would stop. I knew what was going on. I believe the Holy Ghost was coming upon me, but I was so scared that I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. I was, mm. I was terrified. I was terrified. I didn't know what to expect. And so one morning, bro, I, I woke up and, and I told my pastor, you know what? Enough's enough. I, I really want to get the Holy Ghost. And I, I took to him all my, my cassettes. I had all these a lot of worldly music, you know, as a kid. And, and I took him all my cassettes and I said, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't want to hear this message anymore. I want a new message in my life. Mm. And so uh, he took me to Tucson in your area. Yeah. went to a church up there. And uh, it was funny because the service is pretty plain, um, you know, just a standard service. But I was so determined to get the Holy Ghost that uh, I went to the altar and I just started calling out to God. I remember people were praying with me. Mm. And it was one of the services where I was the last one up there, bro. Mm. But by the time I was done, I was speaking in a new tongue. Uh, God had oh. filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. This was in summer of 1991. I don't know who, how old you were back then, brother. <laughs> but in the summer of 1991, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And at that point... I started to uh, walk with the Lord and started to, you know, take baby steps. But that's really when I started walking with the Lord, when I received the Holy Ghost. Mm. So um, soon, were you baptized already, brother? Or soon then did you get baptized? Or what was that like? Uh, for well, after that, we were in the UPC church for another um, year or two. And then uh, one of my good friends in Parker, and I know he's one of your good friends too, uh, <laughs> Brother Richard Garcia. Um, I got in contact with him and um, actually... Got in contact with Brother Joe Garcia. I saw him out in a, at an event in Parker, and uh, he invited me to a service in which a choir from East L.A. was going to be at their church, Silhouette, and uh, he wanted me to go check it out. And, hey, you know, I was I was uh, excited to go hear a choir. And mm -hmm. I remember, bro, I saw Richard, and, oh, man, I just I remember him as because we grew up as kids, you know. And mm -hmm. when I saw Richard there, I was excited to see him and went into the service. I heard the music. I felt the spirit of the Lord, and I said, you know what? I'm back. This is where I need to be. Mm. And uh, we ended up getting back to the Apostolic Church at that time and um, went to a camp in 1993. And um, that's where I met, of course, uh, my wife, well, girlfriend at the time, Sister Yadida. <laughs> I met her at a camp, a youth camp. So I encourage all the young people, you know, um, we go to camp because you never know what's going to happen. And yes. let me tell you, but I wasn't looking for a girlfriend. Um, I went there and I wanted an encounter with the Lord. And, you know, the Lord's so good. He knows what we need. Amen. And so that's where I met uh, Sister Yadida. But it was shortly after camp is when I got baptized in 1993. Mm, wow. And, and you were mentioning, you know, encouraging young people to go to youth camp. And and I think you're right. When, when you're seeking the things of God first, 
uh, you know, the word of God even encourages that. Seek the kingdom of God first and all everything else should be added on to us according to, you know, God's righteousness and his mercy and his grace. So you'll find things that you need in your life. Don't seek those things. Seek God first and then God will add those things unto your life for sure. Um, Amen. Yeah. So so being baptized um, and, and being there in, in Parker, brother, what was um, your experience like being called to to ministry? Now, I, this is kind of twofold because I know you served in the music ministry. Well, how did you get, let me start off with that. How did you get into that involved in the music ministry? All right. So since we're <laughs> being honest, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. All so, right. so when I started the, in music ministry, it really, I started music in general because I didn't want to be in class at school. Uh, I decided it was uh, it was funner to go. I saw to watch kids go leaving class. I'm like, hey, where are they going? Well, they're going to band class. Really? So I want to be in band too. I got to leave class. You know, this was I was nine years old. I was in fourth grade, and so um, I went ahead and asked my parents if I could sign up for band, and um, I signed up. And the teacher asked me, "What do you want to play?" I said, "I have no idea. What do you think I should play?" And uh, the teacher said, "How about a saxophone?" I said, "Okay." So I, I remember going home with a saxophone and. My sisters were like so happy for me. Hey, you got a saxophone. Those are so awesome. You're gonna, you know. And I was like, I, you know, I didn't think I was gonna be playing very long, but then I started to really like it, and, mm. and it really started to grow on me. And then I said, you know what? What if I start playing in church? Mm. And I started playing in church, and I remember uh, when I started playing in church, uh, I started playing with uh, um, uh, Sister Josie Torres. Everybody knows her, Sister Pini. And then with uh, uh, Brother Cornelio Torres, everybody knows Brother Corny. And I was playing with them, and, and uh, I would hide behind the upright piano back there behind with uh, uh, Brother Corny. And, we, you know, we'd be there playing. I'd be uh, honking away on the saxophone, and, you know, we'd just be there having church. But I started in that area. But the amazing thing about the music ministry, bro, and I know you were playing drums, too, when you were in Blythe. Yeah. But as you begin to grow in that ministry, you begin to see things at a different level. Mm. Um it's a blessing as a, as a minister and, I, and a, a music minister anyways. Mm. Uh, when you're in music ministry, you always got to think about it is, as that, ministry. Mm. Because we share that platform with the men of God. We share that platform. We share that view with the men of God. And, and the amazing thing is that the things that you get to see when you're on that platform and, and how you see God operate in the church. And it, it's, a, it's a privilege. It truly is a privilege, you know, and yes. it's never a right to be up there. It was always a privilege to be up there and sharing that platform with those awesome men of God. And, and there's been so many men of God that I've, you know, got the opportunity to play while they were up there. But it's, it is a blessing to be up there. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I, I've been, I was playing the saxophone um, when I met you. So I've been in the music ministry a long time, and it's still with me today. I still find myself playing. Um, you know, sometimes I don't want to. Well, it's not that I don't want to play. I feel like I, I shouldn't be playing. But then there's times where people ask me, hey, brother, can you play? And you know what? I'm whatever the Lord needs me to be. Um, I'm a musician. I'm a, I'll lead worship. Uh, whatever you need me to do, if it's for the kingdom of God, I'm willing to do it. And uh, I'm, I'm here to serve just like everyone else. And if it means uh, picking up the bass... I'll play the bass. That's what I've been playing now. Actually, yeah. I've been playing a lot of bass. So, you know, I'm willing to do it, brother. Music ministry is a beautiful thing. And I love, I love how you said that, brother. Music ministry. I, I don't know. To me, I get hung up on things sometimes, which I don't try to let me let it affect me. Which, which it doesn't really. But when people say like, "Oh, I'm going to perform," you know, "I'm going to perform," it's like, you know what? You're going to minister. You know, think about ministering to people, whether it's it's through music through sign language, through flags, through timbre, whatever ministry you're in, 
uh, drama, you know, you're going to minister. And, and I think that's, to me, it's just when people, when I hear people say perform, it kind of catches my attention. Like, no, no, let's minister. Let's, <laughs> you know, no, you're right. You're right. yeah, like I said, it probably people are like, well, what's the difference? You know, it's just semantics or word. but I, I really think that that's just different. Like when we preach, I never perform a preaching, you know, we want to minister the word of God. So that that's where I take it from anyways. But uh, speaking about that, about ministering and, and preaching, um, you were, uh, you're serving as the minister in charge of the pastor of the church, the plant church you're on now. But how did this, how did ministry get uh, started for you uh, as far as for being set aside and, and being set, uh, ordained into the ministry, Brother Ty? Well, that, that's a good question. And, and basically where I was at is I was, I was a musician and I was, I was, a, I was a decent musician. I was, I was, I worked hard at it. I always gave my best. And, and I agree hundred percent with you, brother, is that when we're up there, um, I understood that I didn't want the glory to be on me. Mm. And that's the difference between performing and ministering yeah. is that yeah. when you're up there, uh, you want all the attention to be on God. You, you want all the attention to be on the Lord. And I actually learned it in Bible college, and it really popped because uh, there was a, 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 a minister who was teaching the class who wasn't a musician. And I, at first, I was skeptical, and I was saying, <laughs> what is this musician or what is this minister going to teach me about music that mm. I don't already know? But when he talked to me about, he explained to us that there's, there's, a, there's a veil, mm. you know, when you minister. And as a musician, we, we are that veil. We're there, mm. but we're not there. And the key wow. is that you're supposed to be there, but once you start putting the glory onto you, people can't see through you and mm -hmm. see God. And I remember that forever changed me as a minstrel because wow. I realized, you know what? Every time I try to, you know, I, I get a little too wild on the bass. And trust <laughs> me, I have fun on the bass, but you know, anytime we get too wild up there or we start to perform, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden the view isn't on God, it's on you. They're wondering, okay, what is that musician doing? Oh, wow, that was a crazy drum roll, or it was this, was that. If someone goes to a service and they start talking about the music being that, oh man, this, the, the drummer was on or the bass player was on, the keyboard was yeah. the keyboard player sick, you know, whatever. I think we lost where we needed to be as mm -hmm. minstrels because the focus should have been on uh, the, the power of God and the glory of God. And, and so um, that was a huge part of ministry for me was understanding where I needed to be. Mm. And so getting into ministry, I think that that, that, was, that was actually what led me in the door was the music ministry because I was very active here in San Luis uh, with Pastor Ramirez. When, when I got married, we moved. I moved here to uh, Yuma. And from Yuma, we were commuting to San Luis and uh, we were faithful. You know, we were there every Tuesday. Um, every, every time there was a service, we were there. And, um, you know, I was there because, number one, um, I wanted to be there. And in number two, I really wanted to help out my father-in-law, who was uh, the pastor at the church. So I found myself just being available, you know, just making things better, you know, whether it's fixing things, opening the doors at church. Uh, I didn't have to be told. And that's, that's, mm. the, that's the beauty about ministry when you don't have to tell people to do things. Brother, can you do this? Sister, can you do that? Where people are willing to say, you know what, I see a need mm. and I want to be a part of that need so I can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And so we were there, you know, opening up the doors, making sure. Um, basically, I started off really as a sound guy there at San Luis. I was there responsible for building um, the music ministry, really. Because when I got to San Luis, you know, they really, um, they had instruments they had a sound system but you know they were getting started because there wasn't a lot of a lot of knowledge to what they were doing mm -hmm. so little by little we started contributing to that mu music ministry and i think through that con contribution 
I think Pastor Ramirez saw that there was a hunger that we had for the kingdom of God. And so uh, he asked the question, brother, um, how do you feel about being a deacon? And uh, it, it caught me off guard because I didn't do it for that. Mm -hmm. I was just doing it because I thought it was the right thing to do. And I remember telling my wife uh, at the time, hey, I said, uh, I said, your dad, or of course, your dad is the pastor. I said, hey, your, your dad asked me uh, about being in ministry. And I remember she was, she looked at me and says, no, don't do it. Oh. Don't do it. And, and, you know, and the reason she said that is because all her life she got yeah. to see you know, the hard work that's involved doing it. And I think she thought maybe if I don't, if I'm not with the guy that's in ministry, then I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. But the Lord knew exactly where he wanted us to be. And so, you know, here we are. And um, that's when we got initiated to the ministry. That was back in, I believe, 2000. Um, we got initiated into the ministry and uh, started off as deacons and, um, you know, just went went through the classes and stuff. But that's where it started. It started mm -hmm. off as a music ministry. And then Pastor Ramirez saw that desire that we had to be in the kingdom and yeah. set us aside. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, really. Uh, you know, like you said, just being able to see a need and, and to be able to want to step in and, and do it for the honor and the glory and for the kingdom of God. Uh, but brother, um, you know, knowing your calling or receiving, knowing your calling and, and, and where you were at, um, what were some times that you can um, like feel that you can call out where there was just some doubt or some distance from, from your ministry or service? Like, you know what? I feel like we, you know, we've God is directing us to a certain place, but you know, I just, you know, there's something that's being disconnected or something that's interfering or, or just something that was kind of like a crossroad between what you were going to choose to do, either stay or, or, you know, maybe right. it was going to lead you a different way. Was there ever a time like that for you in your, in your ministry? Actually, yeah, that, that, that time when, when I was called to ministry, um, I really wasn't, I didn't feel I was ready for it, brother, because, mm -hmm. um, that's where my testimony really starts is because during that time I was working for uh, Union Pacific Railroad and uh, we were a young couple, you know, so we were making good money. Mm -hmm. um, the Lord had blessed us financially, but um, something was missing, brother. You know, mm -hmm. we were, yes, I was there at church and we were faithful, but something was definitely missing. And uh, that's that, that was, a, it was at that point where the Lord began to speak to me and to say, you know what, I need you somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And it was scary because um, I really wasn't as close to the Lord as I wanted to be, brother. I, I found myself overwhelmed in work. And I think as mm -hmm. young couples, I, we, we tend to feel that what we need to do for a family is provide, mm -hmm. you know, uh, financially, you know, have the big house, have mm -hmm. the nice cars. You know, you know, we're, we're, we have this fantasy thought in our minds. Those things are good. You don't get me wrong. Yeah. Those are all important things to have. But you know, it, there's a cost for that. And, and the cost for me was that I was never home. So mm -hmm. if I was never home, number one, um, I wasn't, uh, it, I wasn't praying. You know, I didn't have a, have a relationship with the Lord like I needed to. Number two, um, my family was missing out on me. Mm -hmm. and, and number three, the church was missing out on me. Um, and so I had a, I had a dream um, and this happened right before the, the seven, September 11th attacks, um, the, the Twin Towers. Mm -hmm. But I had a dream that, um, that on my way to work, and I was traveling to work. I was traveling about uh, four hours um, to uh, Beaumont, California. Wow. And um, I, I had this route that I took every day. I would leave here at 2 o'clock in the morning um, so I could be there for the meeting at uh, 7 o'clock. And I didn't want to be rushing. or, or So I would leave at 2, 2 a.m. so I could leave at a decent time to to make sure I could get up there. So 
I would take this route every day and, and, and I had a dream that in my route that I was taking that I got to a particular point and I remember in my dream that I crashed uh, in my vehicle. I had a, 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 we had a Honda Accord at the time and I could see the, the Honda, I could see it rolled over and, uh, and I remember seeing my body outside of the car, I, like, I, like I had a bird's eye wow. view and I remember looking and, and, and watching my spirit leave my body. And I thought to myself, my God, what is going on here? And it scared me. It terrified me. I, I, I didn't know what to think because I've never had any, a, a dream like that or an experience like that. So uh, I decided to call into work that day. I thought, you know what? I believe in signs. I'm not going to go to work because yeah. it, it just felt so real, brother. And so I called into work. So uh, next night, I have the same exact dream wow. and nothing changes. So I had the same dream on my way to work, get to, the, get to this point vehicle crashes and I see my body. And then again, I see my spirit leaving my body. And then I'm super freaked out now because I'm realizing that this isn't just a coincidence. Yeah. You know, there's, there's God is trying to speak to me. And, and so I'm terrified even more. And, and I call him sick again. I said, I'm not going to work again. And so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what's going on here? What, what is happening? Mm. And so believe it or not, uh, a sister from the church calls my wife and tells my wife, hey, I had a dream last night. I'm praying for you. I had a dream that um, we read church and the pastor said, I want all the widows to stand up and you stood up in the dream. Wow. And uh, we knew right there that there was confirmation that I definitely had to stop what I was doing because maybe I wasn't going to physically die, but for sure I would spiritually die. Mm. And, and the truth, Brother Mario, me and my wife were going through a situation ourselves in our marriage because um, we were struggling to have children and, and we were trying, we were trying and um, no luck. You know, we, mm -hmm. we couldn't, it's like everything we would do wasn't working. Mm -hmm. um, and then we would watch on the news, uh, you know, babies that were being born and dumped in trash cans oh. or whatever. And we're thinking, God, what's going on here? We don't want to throw a baby in the trash can, Lord, but we want a baby. And why are you allowing? We begin to, you know, question the Lord. You know, Lord, why are you allowing other people to have kids that don't even want them? And we want one. Yeah. And, and we started to, it started to be hard for us. And um, I, I believe that we were, we were heading towards the path of maybe separation or, God forbid, even divorce, just because the fact that it was so mm. hard. There was, there was an emotional wall there, and, um, you know, we didn't know what to do. And so, um, you know, the Lord was speaking to us and I decided to say, you know what, I'm going to listen to you, Lord. I'm going to do what you ask and I'm going to listen to you. So the Lord, I, I, I prayed and I, and I hadn't prayed like that in a long time, brother, to be honest with you. It was, it was, a, it was a hard time for me mm -hmm. and uh, I prayed and I, I genuinely felt a touch from the Lord. I really felt his voice. And, and in this, this prayer, this deep prayer that I had with the Lord, I, I heard him speak to me and say, leave your job and follow me. Mm. And uh, I didn't want to hear that, brother. I honestly <laughs> did not want to hear that. Yeah. I wanted to hear him say, you know what? I was just wanting you to talk to me, but continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. But that's not what the Lord said. The Lord said, I, I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to follow me. And so um, I listened and I said, mm -hmm. Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you because I believe in you, I believe you know what you, you know what you you have plans for me, Lord. Mm -hmm. I believe in the plans that you have for me, and so uh, I sent a letter of resignation um, and I quit mm -hmm. and I quit Union Pacific Railroad, 
And I was terrified, brother, because like I said, we were making good money, yeah. we had these benefits, all the things that people tell you need. You know, sure. in life, people will tell you, brother, you need to have a good job, you need to have retirement, you need to have this, and you have that. But rarely do people tell you you need to have a strong relationship mm. with God. Yeah. And it's all about careers and about money and a house and this and that. But um, I was obedient and, and I and I quit that job and um, I said, Lord, where do you want me to be at now? And and here I was applying for jobs here in Yuma and nothing. And then I see this one in the papers, a job at Yuma County. And I said, wow, you know what? I think I can do this job. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I don't know because I, you know, people would say, you know, you have to know somebody to get in Yuma County. Yeah. I said, well, I don't know anybody, but I'm a shot. So I applied, and, and sure enough, brother, I got, I got a phone call that um, I would receive an interview. And so I went I went to uh, Yuma County and um, went to the interview process. And, and at that time, too, my wife was actually going to be going that to, to the Yuma area, too, because she hadn't been feeling well. She'd been sick. And mm. so I had to go to the doctor. And I said, okay, well, you know, we'll meet up, and we'll talk after the interview. So mm. uh, anyways, I went to the interview. Interview went well. And uh and I asked the I asked the people interviewing. So how long does it take um, for me uh, for me to find out if or when I got the, if if I got the job or not? And they said, mm-hmm. well, it takes about two weeks. Okay, so I left and I said, well, I did good. Hopefully they call me. Um, I went to the hospital to go see one of my cousins who had been sick. I went to go visit him so I can go pray with them. And so uh, um, I, I get to the hospital. My phone rings. It's Yuma County. I said, man, it only been forty five minutes since I left there. Maybe I forgot something. I thought. And so I answered the phone, and then the lady says, uh, sir, we want to offer you the job. Wow. And I said, wow, I thought it took two weeks. She says, well, I think we really know we really want you here, so uh, we want you to work with us. And I said, wow, I accepted it. So right after I hung up, um, my phone rings again, and it's my wife. It's Sister Yadida. I said, wow, you know, I can't wait to tell her. I mean, yeah. this, this is awesome. So I pick up the phone, and I, and I tell her, guess what? And she says, what? Um, I have something to tell you. So I have something to tell you, tell you too, but go first. She told me, yeah. I said, okay. So I told her I got the job at Yuma County and she said, I'm pregnant. Oh, wow. So everything just kind of intertwined. You know, I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't know what to think, you know, at first, but the Lord knew exactly yes. what he was doing. He said, follow me. And, and you know, when you follow the Lord, it, it might be scary sometimes because we're used to doing things. Mm-hmm. We're used to Things the way we're used to doing them and it's hard to do them the, the lord's way yeah. you know and and even even the disciples struggled with that when um the lord told them to throw their net on the other side mm-hmm. and, and you know these were experts these were people that knew exactly what they were doing and, and they doubted the lord for a second but he said throw the net on the other side mm-hmm. and once they threw the net on the other side in other words when they did it different it worked you know yeah. sometimes we've got to be willing to do things different and most importantly, to do them the Lord's way. And sometimes it's going to be different. And mm-hmm. I'm just so happy that at that point, I, I was I was uh, um, blessed enough that that the Lord would call me and that I would answer. You yeah. know, I just it's a the great experience and a great testimony because that's of course my one and only. I have one child at this point, and that's my miracle son right there. Oh. It's, it's my son Elijah, and. So, you know, Lord's good, brother, but I believe uh, a lot happened at that point, brother, yeah. because number one, I was in doubt, like you, like your question was saying. I was in doubt. I didn't know what to think, going through the motions again. Yeah. But the Lord performed a miracle, and, and that's what happens sometimes, brother. Sometimes we need to see a miracle yeah. in order for us to really grasp where the Lord really wants us to be in his yeah. kingdom. And so that's what really, you know, was my down time, and it was also my highlight. It was yeah. both all in one. Oh man, that's awesome, Brother Titan. 
just just the greatness and the goodness of God and and I remember hearing someone uh, say one time, you know, we we always want to plan for the future, like you were saying, you know, the retirement fund and the, and the good paychecks, with which you know we we need to worry about providing, you know, for our family, but we lose sight on the one that is our provider, you know, when we when we yeah when that's on all our focus. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. And, you know, it, it's funny now. At first, it wasn't funny, but you know, I took the job <laughs> with Mario and and um. I was I, I was gonna be making a fraction what mm. I was gonna be making what I was making at Union Pacific, uh-huh. but you know what I can tell you right now, I'm I have I, I didn't lose anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we were always eating, we always had food, <laughs> we didn't lose anything, and slowly but surely the Lord has put me in a position where I'm making more money wow. now than I was at Union Pacific, and all I had to do was just trust the Lord and. Oh, man. Uh, he 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 found a better way, and with this job, I'm so blessed that. Um, you know, I'm able to, to attend the church activities. Yeah. I'm off uh, um, enough so I can be at church at night, of course, and we're off on the weekend. So it, it, it makes it possible for yeah. me to be part of our activities. And, you know, we have a lot of them, so it's, yeah. it's good to have that <laughs> ability to go. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. God is good for sure. Wow. Uh, I, I never get tired of hearing these these testimonies and, or, and the goodness of God. I never. I mean, how can you? How can you get tired? Right. Right. <laughs> oh well, brother. If you could ever consider, um, you know, consider different seasons in your life and 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 um, and just picking um, people maybe that or persons or people that could really stand out and that you would like to appreciate or thank, you know, as your as your faith journey is going on. Who would those be and why? Well, um, brother, brother, I'm so blessed that um, my in my mother's side of the family, uh, I'm a fourth generation apostolic. Mm. And so in my mom's side of the family, there's a rich apostolic heritage. And um, I never got to meet my grandfather. Um, mm. My mother's father, uh, he was actually a pastor in Parker. Uh, I believe in the 50s, uh, he was a pastor in Parker. We went to a, um, a service, uh, um, an anniversary service in Parker, and they were speaking about my grandfather, and I was hearing things that I never even knew about him, mm. the fact that you know he was able to help build the church in Parker, which I didn't know, but he was actually part of that movement. And I never got to meet him, brother. I never got to, to shake his hand. I never mm. got to see him smile. I never got to hear his voice. But I believe that he prayed and the Lord promised him mm. that there would be a generation of preachers and um, praise God that, that the Lord continued that genealogy or, or continue those generations yeah. of preachers. And so even though I never got to meet him, I'm thankful that he prayed for a generation uh, of his family because it's a promise. You know, yeah. we have that famous scripture in Acts, you know, repent to be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and he shall receive the gift of the Holy yes. Ghost. And the beautiful part is because it's a promise for you and for your children. And, and the promise that the Lord made him, it carried all the way down to me. And the beautiful thing is that death never stopped it. Mm. You know, and we're so grateful to know that Jesus Christ is the ultimate conqueror of death. Death has no sting. It did, no. Death doesn't win when it comes to Jesus Christ. And I'm sure the devil thought that if he killed him, my grandfather, that, you know, maybe this opportunity would never happen. Mm. But, you know, I'm so grateful that the Lord has conquered death. And so that message somehow made it to me. And I believe it was through the grace of God. But um, my mom's heritage has a lot of people mm. that have 
prayed for me, my, my parents themselves. Um, but you know what? Being married into this family that I'm in right now, what a blessing to be a part of this family in San Luis. When I met my wife, I never realized the extras that I got with it. Being um, in this family, being, um, you know, Pastor Ramirez treats me like his, one of his own children. Mm. He treats me just like his, one of his own sons. And um, same thing goes with uh, Sister Norma. They've, they've always treated me like I'm their own child. And um, not everybody can say that about their in-laws. Mm-hmm. And he's trusted me and he's believed in me. He's motivated me. Uh, my father-in-law and, and my mother-in-law too, they just, they've always been there for me. Mm. And their family with Andres and, and with Steve. And uh, they've always been there for me like brothers. But I think at the end of the day, when I can really think of that person that's really been there, it has to be my wife. Because mm. like I said, you know, when you live with that, when you live together, you know, and I'm sure you can, you can agree to this as being married yourself is that, you know, there's things that only you know about your wife mm. and there's things that, you know, she only knows about you. And that that that's how it goes with us. And you know, she's seen me at she has seen me at my best, and she's mm-hmm. seen me at my worst. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I appreciate about appreciate about her is that she loves me with the love of God. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is phenomenal, brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, when someone can love you with the love of Christ, it, it's it's phenomenal because it's just it's uplifting. Um, it's it's it it builds you. You know, she's she has always been praying for me um, when I go out, when I'm preaching, I'm at church preaching during the day. I mean, she is a rock in my life, mm. and and um, I appreciate her. I love her very much um, for being that person. And so, um, and of course, my son Elijah. Just just mm. the fact that he is living proof every day of the miracle that the Lord has brought in. Yes. Not only brother, but he's actually playing in church. And um, my son was was. Uh, um, diagnosed with with autism uh, uh, asperger syndrome he's high functioning but he was diagnosed with this and we didn't know what to do mm-hmm. but then again he doesn't make mistakes if he's the miracle that mm-hmm. i believe he is in my life he's a miracle and and, and god doesn't make mistakes yeah. and let me tell you this kid has brought the best out of me also just taught me how he's taught me how to treat people different mm-hmm. and I think that with without him in my life, I wouldn't be also in the position of, of pastoring or as a minister in charge of a new work because um, it you know getting to to work to be around people people in church it's not always easy you mm-hmm. know because everyone's different yeah. everyone has different ideas there's so many different personalities but when you deal with the, when you learn to deal with somebody with autism and you live with somebody with autism. It teaches you how to be a better person. And I remember praying, brother. I prayed. And so you got to be careful what you pray for sometimes. But I prayed and I said, if it's possible, can you make me a better father than my father? And there was no disrespect to my father. Mm-hmm. But it was a prayer that I wanted to make sure that I was the best that I could be for mm-hmm. my child. And uh, little did I know he was going to say, well, what if I give him autism and see how you do with it? But um People that see him don't even think he has it. It's, yeah. it's amazing. You know, he has his moments where he 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 um he struggles with some things, but he's a musician. He's been playing now at our church plant. He plays uh, the organ. He plays the B three, uh, plays piano, and wow. he's a huge help because sometimes it's only him and me. Yeah. Um, as far as singing goes, you know, of course we have other musicians and other singers, but sometimes you know during the week and people have to work and you know musicians can't make it. Whatever the yeah. case may be, he's there. He's faithful. And he plays and mm. praise God that God is perfect and God knows everything. But 
I have so many people that have influenced me, but I think most uh, most of all, it's been my direct family. My wife yeah. and my son have just been huge in my life in ministry. Yeah, and really, I'm I, like you said, I'm on board with that. You know, just not just because I'm married to her, but you know, my wife. I always I always thanked her because yeah, she's always been my you know, like you said, seen me at my best, seen me at my worst. But she's also my biggest fan. But she's also my my producer, my critiquer, you know, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way, you know, she's like, why did you say, why did you say this? Or why didn't you say it? It's like, okay, I'll have to remember that for the next time, you know, cause she's conscious about certain things that I, I totally miss. Um, but I, I'm so appreciative of her because the highest compliment I could ever pay to her as far as for being a minister is like, you know what? I told her if I ever needed to preach about something, I would never have to consider what I'm going to say because I know that you're a living testimony for the honor and glory of God. You know, I can preach things yeah. that other ministers may not want to preach, but because I know what type of family I have with my wife and my boys, you know, that says a lot. And I, and I think as a minister, sometimes we can be held like that because of that. And, and when you Amen. have that, yeah. And when you have that freedom, because you know, you know, your wife serves God and wants to please God and, and wants to be your biggest champion in your corner. I mean, there's nothing that you can't do, you know. It's so awesome. And, it's, and let me tell you, brother, I mean, um, when I say she's not easily impressed with things, but, I don't mean it in a bad way. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. My wife, my wife has, she's she's a, she's what they call high praiser. I mean, my wife has a walk that um, I need to make sure I'm on my game yeah. because I'm not. I mean, it's, it's really bad. It's obvious because she she's in an area in ministry also in her ministry that uh, it requires me to be at my my best mm. too because if i'm not you know it's not good but yeah. that's the beauty of how when the lord puts people together mm. just like he put you and your wife together yeah. there's uh you you build each other up she's uh like you said she's my checks and my balance yeah. <laughs> she's the person that i can bounce things off yeah. of and, and she'll tell me good idea or bad idea you know, um, you know, sometimes that it's she she'll tell me things I don't want to hear, but at the end of the day, she's right. You know, yeah. and, and it's, it's it's that's why we have these people in our lives, but especially our wives, because that's what they do. They don't just say, Oh, whatever, babe, that's mm, fine, you yeah. know. Sure, honey, let's do that. She'll actually say, you know what? I don't know, because <laughs> of this or because of that. And that's yeah. what makes things better, bro. And that's what makes um that that's what brings the best out of us. Yeah. So she definitely brings the best out of me she doesn't even know it but it almost forces it she forces me to bring the best out yeah. sometimes just because of her her uh her relationship with the lord too i mean mm. she's strong and so um i definitely have to be uh, uh on my toes yeah. she's she, but she motivates me brother oh that's awesome brother. so brother i uh, mentioning there you know yeah, the church plant and and being the minister in charge and the pastor there of aruka um restoration church uh, what are some of your expectations there for your church plant, brother? What are some expectations for yourself and your ministry uh, for 2018? I know we're already in April, but it's still young the year. What What are Amen. some things that you're looking forward to? Well, to tell you the truth, brother, uh, when we started the church plant, it was completely new to us, you know, mm. and we didn't know really what to expect because leaving our home church, you already know what's expected at your home mm. church. You already know the style of music. You already know the flow of the service. <laughs> you know, you even know the type of people that usually go there. Yeah. And so we realized that it was going to be different at Aruka. It was going to be different in the sense where um, there was going to be different people going. But that's always been a passion of mine is that 
brother, I don't believe in having church for Mexican people. I don't mm. believe in having church for white people. I don't believe in having church for black people. I believe that church is for everybody. Mm. And anyone that walks in that door should feel comfortable and to, and have that that liberty of praising the Lord. Yeah. And that's always been my desire, you know, is I just feel sometimes that Sundays we're so segregated. You know, we, we go to mm. churches and it's either a white church, a black church, Mexican church, uh, or whatever church. Everyone has yeah. a church. And I said, you know what? Um, I bind that in the name of Jesus. I, I want to have a church where I have diversity. Mm-hmm. And praise God, brother, we have white people, we have black people, we have Hispanics, you know, we have uh, Native Americans, you know, it's it's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my brother-in-law was here this weekend, he came to visit, and he was just blown away by the diversity. Mm-hmm. And um, But that's what the Lord has put in my heart, brother, to have diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, my fear at first was, I didn't know how to have church, brother. I didn't. I didn't know um, the, you know, the, the style of church. I didn't know, you know, necessarily, you know, the feel of church, how it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we started, I said, you know, well, let's just make it comfortable, you know, in a sense where people can come to church and just, you know, feel comfortable coming. And I remember, um, the Lord tugging at my heart and I went into a fast. I went to a, I went into a, a 10 day fast and the Lord spoke to me immediately. He said, don't make church comfortable. He said, make my worship real. Mm. And it caught my attention. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So we went in there and, and I remember just changing, you know what? We're going to go into worship the way I know how to worship, mm-hmm. the way the Lord has shown me to worship. And um, another thing that we did, brother, and this is something that just totally caught, caught me off guard a little bit, is that we decided to, to go all English. Mm-hmm. And when we started off, we were bilingual because that's, that's what I figured would be the best thing to do. Yeah. But then I realized that there's always that person, if you speak English, there's never enough English. If you speak Spanish, there's never enough Spanish. Yeah. And we decided, you know what, we're going to go English. And, um, you know, we weren't we weren't afraid to do it just because if there was there was plenty of options for Spanish apostolic mm. churches. You know, they're everywhere. Yeah. But, you know, there's not too many English apostolic churches. Mm. So we started going uh, our services pretty much in English. And um, all of a sudden, more people started coming in. Now we started having um, white people, black people. Now the diversity started coming in. And I remember hearing the comment of, of one of the brothers and sisters that walked in. They said, you know what? It's good to know in Yuma there's, a, there's another apostolic church that's in English. Mm-hmm. Because they, they actually felt trapped where they were at. And I don't know their situation, what no. was going on with this church. But they came to our church. They experienced it, brother. And the next thing I know, they called me and say, who do we make our checks payable, payable to? And I said, what do you mean? Well, we want to start attending church, and we want to know um, who to make their checks to out for our tithing. Mm. I was like, wow. So um, we started going English, brother, and now the church is just expanding. Uh, we just had three baptisms this wow, Sunday. praise God. Um, so we haven't been there a year, and we have seven baptisms. Um, the Lord is continually moving with us, bringing more people in. More diversity. We're getting messages on Facebook from, you know, people that want to experience what's going on at Aruka, mm-hmm. and and Aruka in itself. I actually didn't know what to call the church, brother. When I went to the convention, <laughs> I because the, the uh, I was talking with Brother Salvas Jimenez in Tucson. He was saying, "Brother, do you have a name for your church?" And I said, "You know what? I don't know. I don't know what to call yeah. it." And he stopped. Okay, bro. Well, let me know because we want to make a promo video for convention. So I'm sitting in my room and I'm thinking, what do I call this place? <laughs> oh, what do you call it? And so I remember started going through Facebook common names for churches. I felt like those people that I could buy those baby books, you yeah, know, yeah. Things, things. <laughs> and, and uh, um, 
the Lord gave me the word restoration. Mm. But I said, there has to be more to it. So I began to study and, and the Lord took me to a scripture in Jeremiah and the, and the Hebrew word for restoration is Aruka. Mm. And that word Aruka is not your standard healing. Aruka restoration means it's healing from the inside out. It's from your spirit. Wow. It comes from the inside and it goes through your outside. And uh, people that have walked into our church, brother, have said, you know what? This is definitely a place of restoration. I, yeah. This is this church definitely has a purpose with the name of Aruka. Uh, we're seeing people, brother, that had left church at one time now that are coming back. Yeah. And when I say coming back, brother, I mean, they're at the altar and they're speaking in tongues again. God is pouring the, whole, the his spirit on them. The Holy Ghost is falling on these people that hadn't spoken tongues in years, mm. haven't received the Holy Ghost in years. And I believe that that name has a purpose wow. and I believe God called us to this, to this new work, um, to restore people and to restore everything that has to go with life, whether it's your, you know, relationships, but most importantly, a relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, God is definitely blessing us. And I believe in 2018, brother, we're going to fill out this building. Um, our building is going to be, uh, right now we can fit, um, we had uh, we had the youth here for the end time revival, mm -hmm. and we had close to a hundred and twenty people in there, and uh, I believe we're going to fill it out. We're, we already had to go to Tucson to go buy chairs. So we started off with about forty chairs, mm -hmm. and it was enough, brother. We actually had to go to Tucson, and there was a uh, an auction. We bought a hundred chairs just because wow. we didn't fit with the chairs that we had. So. Um, the, the building itself that we're at, brother, it's definitely been a blessing. The owners that, that, that have the place have already pretty much told us that the building's ours. Um, wow. Whenever we're ready to buy it, that they're willing to sell it to us. And uh, God is just opening doors in every way possible. And so that's what gives us the confidence in knowing mm. that we're at the right place at the right time. Yeah. yeah. In Jesus' name, brother. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Um, oh, brother. Uh, Brother Ty, thank you so much for for all the words uh, that you've shared, and and uh, I know I've been blessed. But I wanted to um, wrap up with this last question, and and that is, if you had to encourage someone today, that's Christian or not, if they should continue or start their own relationship with Christ, you know, what what would your words be to them uh, for anyone that's listening today? Amen. Um, you know, my words to them would be. Something that, that I preached about about a month ago, um, I was preaching the story about when uh, Jesus and uh, had his encounter, well, actually when uh, Zacchaeus had his encounter with the Lord. And, and what I learned in that preaching, brother, was that um, everybody has a life that maybe is cursed. You know, we go through, people curse you, people say things about you, you're not going to amount to anything, you're always going to be this. I found it fascinating that the Lord went to a place that was cursed. Um, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that uh, uh, Joshua had cursed Jericho and said that, that it would be cursed and nothing good would ever come out of Jericho. Mm -hmm. It was a cursed place. But I'm so thankful that the Lord doesn't care about curses mm -hmm. and that the, he was able, he was willing and able to walk into Jericho and to change somebody's life. Mm -hmm. and, and so the fact that 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 tree was there, you know, and, and studying about that tree is that that tree had purpose. You know, it, that tree was planted years mm. before Zacchaeus ever climbed it. And the thing is, what I want to encourage people today, whether you're a Christian or not, is that God has a purpose for you. Mm. And so 
sometimes you might feel that your life is cursed. You know, maybe you feel that you're in a position where, you know, you're not amounting to anything. Nothing good can ever come out of your life. But Jesus isn't afraid to walk into your life. He's not afraid to walk into places that people said you're never going to amount to anything. Mm. And he's placed a tree in everybody's life so you can climb on and you can see him and you can have an encounter with him. And yeah. uh, it's just amazing to know that the Lord cares for us, brother. You know, he's willing to go into dark places for us, you know, and, and, and he's willing to, to have an encounter with you. And wow. I remember the words that he told Zacchaeus was, I need to go to your house. I need to be with you. Mm. And that's how the Lord feels about us. He'll walk into your situations and, and not only will he see you, but he'll tell you, you know what? I need to be with you. I need mm. to be at your house. And so my, my word of encouragement to anybody that's out there, whether you're a believer or not, that Jesus is real and Jesus will go, anywhere mm. to meet you and find you and to be with you and that's the god that i serve brother and i'm so happy that yeah. i have this beautiful doctrine of the apostolic assembly in my heart and i know who jesus is and i'm so happy about that oh amen amen brother again thank you thank you so much for all the words that you shared today uh brother Tylen, and and we're going to be praying for you and and your your church there and and for you and your family and and thank you so much for just blessing uh, blessing me with your time and and your availability, brother. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. Well, thank you. God bless you. As we conclude our podcast for today, my prayer is that you have been blessed by what you have heard. If you are interested in learning more about this podcast and our other social media content, or would like to listen to previous sessions, please search for us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, on iTunes, um, YouTube under iHat Podcasts. You can also hear replays of iHat Podcast interviews on the Fountain Internet Radio on Mondays. If you would like to be a blessing by contributing to this podcast ministry, you can visit us at iHat Podcast GoFundMe page where you can leave a donation. Till next time, Lord willing, God bless.